All right, let's pray. Father, yours is the kingdom. Jesus, thank you that you uh, love us and you came to rescue us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell within us. Pray now that by you, Spirit, through your word, we would hear you afresh, we would see you new. Lord, and we would leave changed. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Have you ever conversed with someone uh, who says they're not really religious, but they're more spiritual? Could be that they believe all religions are the same, or that they believe in energy fields, or a benevolent universe, something like that. Well, I had one of those conversations six days ago. I was sitting in a wood-clad room that was pretty small. Uh, The heater was on to 193 degrees, and I had a spiritual conversation. I'm speaking, of course, of the normal turn of events that happen when you're in a Norwegian sauna. Um, Weekly, I go to this recovery spa thing. I don't know what else to call it. They've got cold plunges and saunas and compression therapy. And um, I used to go on Fridays, but now I'm going on Mondays because it's like there's nobody there. And I've got this huge place all to myself. Um, And I'm going there because there's some recovery stuff because I'm getting older of age and my body's not working as well. I'm going there particularly on Mondays because it's really quiet and very contemplative. Uh, And it's also a really great place to meet people that I don't normally rub shoulders with uh, here around the church. So here I am. Uh, I'm sitting in the sauna, um, sweating buckets, and for, I've been doing this for like maybe six, seven weeks, and I've been kind of like in ninja mode because I don't want to just lead with, hey, I'm a priest of an Anglican church uh, with this new community of people. I kind of want to just get to know them, uh, engage in conversation, and do the, like, the ninja subversive thing. But that was all foiled last Monday at around noon. This friend of mine says, hey, I've seen you around here for a few weeks. What do you do? And I was like, oh, man. Well, I'm a priest. I was a bit sheepish about it. Not sheepish because I, you know, don't think that what I do is good and right, and et cetera, my calling. It was because I didn't feel like I'd spend enough time doing relational connection. So there we are. We have it. And I said, well, I'm a priest. And then they immediately went into this. Well, that's cool. I have a completely different set of beliefs than you do. And I was like, neat. (laughs) This is awesome. Uh, They went on to tell me that they believe all the major world religions are the same thing, and that there's these energy fields, and that the way that she uh, practices and leans into the spirituality is to find those energy fields in her Reiki practice. And I just listened, and I asked some clarifying questions, and I got to know them a little bit better And then it was time uh, for them to hop back in the cold plunge, and so our conversation stopped. I'm certain it will pick back up next time I go, Um, but as I was thinking about our sermon text for this week, I was struck by how similar the Corinthians were to my friend at the recovery spa. Listen with me to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now for some context, Corinth was a very spiritual place. These are people that are coming out of various cults that had pseudo-prophets, priests, priestesses, that all claimed to hear from their mute patron gods. Little g there. They're idols. There weren't very many agnostics in the known world at that time. Pretty much everyone was religious. More specifically, they had a named god that they believed in. And so here, Paul is helping the Corinthian believers distinguish between being spiritual people, air quotes, and people of the Spirit. Okay? Spiritual people versus persons of the Spirit. Because the Corinthian believers used to be like everyone else in their town. They were all very wooey, very spiritual. But now... He's reminding them, he's instructing them that they now are people with the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. It's a big difference. And so with that reorientation or that reminder, Paul now gets into the meat of his argument in verses four through six. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. In his commentary, Gordon Fee took verses 4 through 11, you'll see them here on the screen, and he laid them out in what I call the tab method. I realize you can't actually read the words, but I want you to see the structure. When I'm teaching uh, inductive Bible study methods, I call this the tab method because I just get on my Word document and I use tab to indent to show, to kind of show what things are subservient under other ideas. And what it does is it helps you see the structure of his argument. So I wanted to show you the whole thing, but we're going to spend most of our time this morning on four through six. You can see it here. Diversities of gifts there are, but the same spirit. Diversities of services there are, but the same Lord. Diversities of workings there are, but the same God who works all things and all people. And I think seeing the structure here is really important and it's really helpful. Um, What Dr. Fee has done is he's translated it uh, literally from the, or translated it from the Greek text. And so this is how it reads in the Greek. Diversities of gifts there are, but the same spirit. And as you can see, the diversities are given three different categories and each one of those is linked to or attributed to a different member of the Trinity. In Greek, The gifts, or the charismata, it's really important to listen to the Greek words here. The charismata, they're attributed to the pneuma, the spirit. The diakonon, the services, or the ministries, are attributed to the kurios, the Lord. And the energematon, or the workings, or the deeds, they're attributed to theos, God. Paul is not saying that the Holy Spirit only gives grace gifts and Jesus only gives service gifts and the Father only workings. What he's doing is he's linking unity within the Godhead to unity in the church. Unity within the Godhead to unity in the church. A few observations from four through six. 
Paul is reinforcing the notion of variety of gifts within the church. Romans 12.6, we all have gifts, and they differ according to the grace God has given to each of us. Paul is also affirming that all the gifts come from the same divine source, meaning there is no other way to get them. You cannot buy them. and You also cannot contrive them. They are given by the same divine source. And because there is no other way to get them, no one then can boast in the gifts, the services, the workings that they have. Do you see it? One of the commentators explains charismata, or freely given gifts, are given without merit and without strings. Therefore, they cannot be a high-status term, since it comes as a sheer gift without qualifications or deserving. And what was happening at the time, we'll hear more about this in a few weeks, is that some of the more upfront, more flashy gifts were being given priority and lauded while the other lower gifts were being pushed to the side. Paul, he's expanding the Corinthians' understanding of spiritual gifts to include humbler or less flashy forms like everyday acts of service and deeds. I thought this was really cool in the study this week. Paul uses the same word, diakonai, in 2 Corinthians when writing about the collection of money for the church in Jerusalem, the poor and the persecuted there. He also puts giving within the spiritual gifts inventory in Romans 12. Listen to this. We all have gifts, and they differ according to the grace God has given to each of us. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then use it according to the faith that you have. Now, prophecy is very flashy, isn't it? Hey, what's your spiritual gift? Oh, I'm a prophet. Well, I don't know what that means, but it sounds awesome, right? Prophecy, it sounds really cool. But if your gift is serving, then serve. Not as flashy. If it is teaching, very flashy in the last 100 years, Billy Graham, pick your favorite podcast preacher, right? We've elevated that one very high. Then just teach. If it's encouraging others, then encourage them. If it's giving money to others, then give. Is it being a leader? This one seems to be all the rage in Christendom in the last 25 years. It's like we're supposed to be CEOs. Then work hard at it. Is it showing mercy? Then do it cheerfully. Like Paul is putting all these in the same basket, but the Corinthians were picking them out and putting them on a different shelf. And I'd like to think that we are better, but we are not. We are so Corinthian. This is just silly. And, and one of the things the commentator, uh, one of the commentators pointed out, which I'd never seen before, is, is that the giving of money for saints in another region, particularly at the time in Jerusalem, it may not seem as spectacular or supernatural as the gift of tongues or the interpretation of those tongues, or someone being physically healed, but Paul is saying it categorically is. When you give money, it's a spiritual gift. I'd never seen that. I'd always thought, well, yeah, like so-and-so is really encouraging, but I never, I mean, I've probably 
written papers on this stuff and never seen it, right? But encouragement is a supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit. One of the commentators said, it is no less a sign, speaking about giving, of the Spirit's working in someone than is the sign of tongues or healing. Um, I think it's really interesting timing uh, given our collection for the saints in Maui. Um, Giving, serving, encouraging, showing mercy is as spectacular as prophecy and healing. Why? Because they're all from the Spirit. They all find their source in Him. David Garland said this, and it really like busted up my Dallas Seminary sensibilities. Um, said, all of life in the church is charismatic and has its source in God's spirit because it's a gift from God. Okay, back to our structure here. There's the diversities of gifts, diversities of services, diversities of working. So all the gifts, all the services, all the workings are from the same source, the Trinitarian God, and he works all things in all of the people for a very specific reason, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul now takes those three categories, charismata, diakonon, and energmateo, however it was, and he puts them, he subsumes them under this new umbrella term. Do you see it? The manifestation of the Spirit. So all gifts all services, all ministries, and all energy or workings or deeds are all now categorized under this umbrella term, the manifestation of the Spirit. What he's doing is he's pointing out that no special significance can be placed upon gifts over against services or services over against workings, for they are all, his new term, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In verse 7, Paul gives us the why here, and I like to call this the all of the all of these. All of the gifts, all of the services, all of the workings are worked in all of the people's why? For the common good. For all of the other people. I think verse 7 is actually the thesis for the entire chapter. God gives gifts to his people in order to serve the other people. Another way of saying it, God gives gifts to each member of the church in order to build up the other members of the church. It's going to be a bit of a a dead horse moment, okay? Another way of saying it, God gives gifts in the church so that the church thrives. And the opposite is true. If you don't show up with your gifts, with all of your services, with your workings, then we all suffer, and we do not thrive. Do you see it? Your spiritual gifts, and if you'll allow me, I'm gonna take manifestation of the spirit that he just, that's our umbrella term. I'm gonna just call that spiritual gifts because that's how we've all thought about it, right? So let's just do what's common to us. Your spiritual gifts are just that. They're gifts. Gifts to you from God for others. For the common good. If you don't hear anything else today, hear those seven words. Gifts to you from God for others. 
that's really all this sermon needed to which you're all saying, then please pray us out and get us out of here. Not so fast, not so fast. You know why? Because I think I have the gift of teaching and Paul told me to just teach, so here we go. Hey, preacher jokes. Mediocre most of the time. Uh, Okay, so Paul now shifts from the philosophical to the concrete and he lists some gifts. Verse eight. To one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. I just want to point out the, uh, the dead horse thing that's happening is Paul's fault because he just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over, right? By the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as you ask. Just as you desire because your mom had that one, because you went to a good school, because you went to a super charismatic school, you were a missionary. Nuh-uh. Why? How? As he determines. You guys, I had this backwards for 20 years. I I never saw this. So what Paul is doing here is he's listing nine gifts that all have the same spirit, the same spirit as their origin. But these nine aren't all that there are. If you've gone to Ephesians 4, you know that there are others, and Romans 12 has others And these nine gifts are not the point of his argument. But since he lists them, I want to take a few minutes to sort of define them. Um, I've I've got a Bible at home called the New Spirit-Filled Bible. It's the New King James. And at the back, as it turns out, they have a list of all the gifts. And they have these uh, sort of shortish definitions of them. And I figured instead of going to the cessationists or people that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or the Spirit moving anymore, I'd go to the uh, charismatic uh, folks and see what they say. So here's what they say these gifts are. Wisdom is the supernatural perspective to ascertain the divine means for accomplishing God's will in given situations. Okay? Knowledge, the supernatural revelation of the divine will and plan or supernatural insight. Faith, The supernatural ability to believe God without doubt or, I like this, to combat unbelief. Healing refers to supernatural healing without any human aid, but it may also include divinely assisted application of human instrumentation and medical treatment. Read medicine and surgery there, okay? Miraculous powers literally means a display of power giving the ability to go beyond the natural created order. Prophecy Divinely inspired and anointed utterance. Distinguishing between spirits. Spiritual insight and power to detect the realm of the spirits or the activities, plans, and purposes of the enemy and his forces. Tongues. Supernatural utterance and language is not known to the speaker. Interpretation of tongues. Supernatural power to reveal the meaning of tongues. 
again, this sermon is not about defining and discussing the gifts because the main point is not to define and discuss the gifts. Here's a few observations from the list that Paul puts in this piece because he is the same one that wrote Romans and Ephesians. So from this list, Paul assumes that healings, miracles, and revelatory speech are everyday occurrences within this spirit-informed, this spirit-endowed community, and it's not abnormal. He's not trying to prove to the Corinthians, hey, these things are real, you should listen up. He's saying, he's just listing a few that they all know are true. It's not an exhaustive list or complete. You also see that um, the categories overlap and they illuminate each other. The most obvious of those is tongues and interpretation of tongues. Here's what I think is the most important observation I received uh, from the commentators this week. This list is a mixture of what some would call natural and supernatural endowments. Right? Like, I don't think I'd ever read all the gifts and seen all of them as supernatural before. So many of us, when we, we come to these texts, we see them as, well, that's natural, that's nice, and these, there's a few that are really like supernatural, or as Carson says, some that are spectacular and some that are ordinary. But Paul doesn't make such distinctions, does he? As we already stated, all the gifts, all the services, all the workings are manifestations of the Spirit. And so what Paul's doing is continuing on this theme of unity in a diversity of gifts, services, workings, but the same Spirit. What he's saying is all are important because all are Spirit-born. And because they are given and originate with the Holy Spirit, and we'll hear more about this in a few weeks, we cannot take credit. Uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Good News of Our Limits, and there's this really great line in there uh, where the author says, God is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He possesses all power. He's also all the other omnis. Uh, but humans, at best, are semi-potent. Uh, I've been telling our staff that the last few weeks. Uh, I've got it written on my whiteboard in my office. Britt, you are semi-potent. It's really helpful, right? Because um, there's a lot of degrees between us. There's a lot of people sitting on boards. Uh, we're pretty good at a lot of things in life in this room. And sometimes we think we have to do it all in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual life. Can I remind you that you are semi-potent at best? But because God is potent, because the Spirit is potent, when we move in our gifting, when we serve, listen up, when we serve with the service that the Spirit has given us, when we give our money and our time and our talents because the, it's a supernatural ability from the Spirit, when we discern and when we have faith and when we prophesy and when we share wisdom and knowledge, we become potent. But, and this is a big coordinating conjunction that starts with a B. Sound that out. For the church to be potent, she needs everyone showing up with their particular manifestations. She needs everyone's 
gift service work matrices in full effect because it's only then that we see her in her full beauty when she's thriving. All right, I know that was a lot, and I just said the same thing over and over and over again for 20 minutes. What's the takeaway? Seven words. Gifts to you from God for others. The God who created the universe has given you supernatural gifts, supernatural services, and supernatural abilities. Listen up that the rest of us need. Like, we need your gifts. We need those things that the Spirit has deposited within you. If not, we're not able to move forward on mission in the way that we're supposed to. I'm not that much of a musician, uh, but I discipled a uh, kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's like a 30-year-old man, so there's that. Um, he is uh, he's in the San, Francis- San Francisco Symphony Orchestra thing. He's very good. Um, he's already tenured or whatever that's called, which is crazy. Um, so I, don't, I just need to admit something before I say this next sentence. I don't know a whole lot about that world, Okay. But the thing that I, I, well, a a metaphor that might be helpful, at least it's helpful for me, is it seems like God has set the church up like an orchestra. Without the bassoon, that's the thing, I think. Without a timpani, I don't know if that's how you, is that, yes, got it. Then we don't get the full meal deal. Um, Those of you that do understand music, What would Beethoven's number three sound like without strings? It wouldn't even exist, right? There's so many pieces that would just be blank. And so to get the full meal deal, to to get the beauty, everyone has to pitch in. Everyone has to play their part. Gifts to you from God for others. You're needed But also hear this, you're gifted. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal to us what our gifts are and how they work in concert one with another. We know that you have uh, plans and purposes for this church, this ecclesia, this gathering of believers here at Grace Northridge, Lord, and we, um, we want to fall in line to your plan for us. So, Lord, would you reveal by your spirit what those things are? Lord, some of those will be more up front, some of those will be behind the scenes, and there's a myriad of gifts and services and workings that are in the middle of those things, but they are all needed for the church to thrive. So come Holy Spirit, we pray.